Amen and amen. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 to 21. It's a portion of scripture that we hear an awful lot. And for those perfectionist Bible quizzers amongst us, sometimes it's a little bit grating when people quote it wrong. So I'll do my best to quote it right. I know a few uh, Bible quizzers, married one, and sometimes she'll uh, maybe unconsciously or just verbalize her corrections when someone does reading wrong. So I'm going to get this right. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly. I got it. Some people mess up right there. Some people say exceedingly abundantly. I don't know that it messes the message up at all, but sometimes the diction gets us. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. With the help of the Holy Ghost, Paul packs a lot of theology into these few short verses written to the church in Ephesus. Now, unto him that is able. The emphasis in this verse or in these verses is not on our ability. Rather, the emphasis in these verses places and directs our attention on the ability that God has. The assignment that we have tonight sometimes is to remind ourselves it's not in what is in us but rather it's what is in the God that we serve. Sometimes we get our attention directed to what we are able to do when we need to remind ourselves it's not about what we can do, it's about what God can do. And, and if you're not careful when you begin to read that verse, you begin to let the requirement rest on you about what you're able to do. But Paul wants us to be aware of the fact that it's not about what we can do, rather it's about the ability of the God that we serve. The God that's able to do exceeding abundantly above. It's not about our ability to think good and it's not about our ability to think right. It is about our ability to trust that God can. I just want to talk for a few moments tonight about four steps to start walking in the supernatural realm. Paul isn't just giving a pep talk to the Ephesians here. He's writing with a deep spiritual intent. He has intention attached to what he is writing to that church in Ephesus. He's providing them with supernatural content that's going to propel them into the purpose that God has for them. He's declaring powerful scriptural principles that are going to allow them to walk into the place that God has for them. Step number one, here's the first step that we need to be aware of. Do you know God is able to do it? Do you know that God is able to do it? That's a question that we need to ask ourselves because this all starts with faith. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, but without faith. But without faith, we can't go anywhere. But with faith, we can. With faith, we're able to step off into that unknown territory that God calls us into. And we can see the impossible begin to happen simply because we believe God is able. 
It would seem to me like Paul wants to emphasize the fact that faith is a residual element in everybody. To the church at Rome, he wrote this. He wrote this. He said, for I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, everyone say everyone, not to think of himself more highly than he, not, than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Sometimes, I'll be honest, when we're dealing with some people, I'm thinking this person does not believe in God at all. Pastor Matt, you asked if anyone got their boys back after youth, conven youth convention. <clears throat> no. <laughs> and some of you just lied. You didn't say anything. Some of you, uh, you haven't got your boys back either. <clears throat> so if you'll, if you'll work with this, this voice, how many work with the voice? If sound man may be a little more monitor, that might help me. I don't know. It may not, but it might help me, Brother Rick, if that, <clears throat> if you just want to drive me off the platform with that. Um, <clears throat> I, I was hoping it would hold out a little bit better than it is, but it's giving me a little more problem. <clears throat> Nevertheless, Nevertheless, we'll, we'll just march on if that's all right. The measure of faith. We need to somehow activate the faith that God has placed in our lives. And I'll be honest, when we deal with some folks, the measure of faith doesn't seem like it's there. Whatever that measure of faith is, it seems like it got washed away with the tide. The fundy tide washed it downstream. I, I don't know where it went, but it doesn't look like it's in existence. But if, if sometimes if we can just step back and remind ourselves, every man has the measure of faith. It may be hidden because of uh, hurt circumstances. It may be gone because of uh, elements that have happened in their life. But somewhere underneath the rubble of whatever has happened in their circumstances and situations, there is hidden a measure of faith. And if we can just begin to unearth whatever's on top of it, whatever has hidden it, then we can get down to where that person can reach out and trust that God is able to minister to them and meet them exactly where they are. Everybody has the measure of faith somewhere. Everybody does. When you read through the faith chapter in Hebrews 11, you can read over and over again how by faith, by faith this happened. And, 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 and there are people without a doubt that, that they never activate the faith that's in their life. But the people that do walk on into this precious place in God that they would never have experienced if they hadn't stepped out in faith. We've got to believe that God is able. Paul told the church in Corinth that we walk by faith and not by sight. Sight hinders our spiritual man. Sight restricts our spiritual man. Sight holds us back and it restrains what God would desire to do in us. And so sometimes when we get in that impossible place, when we can't see clearly, God says, that's just where I need you because right now you can't walk on anything else but faith. You can't take the next step by your own knowledge, by your own ability, by your own understanding. You can only go to the next step go to that next level by faith and when we begin to take that step God opens a door we didn't even know was there and we step on into the promise that we didn't realize we could ever possess but that's what happens when we walk by faith and not by sight Sight will mess us up. I'm confident of it. I've seen it over and over again. We get comfortable when we can see what's happening. We get very comfortable with our environment. We get so we can negotiate without a whole lot of help. But when we can't see what's going on, guess what happens? Oh, God! 
When we can't see where the next step's going to lead us, all of a sudden our attention is riveted to heaven. And we say, God, we can't do this without you. We need your help. I can't see the next step. I'm just looking to you right now. I need you to help right now. And we begin to walk by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. It was by faith that Noah, being warned of God of things not yet seen as yet, moved with fear. I, I, I just kind of pulled that verse out of the Hebrews chapter 11 because I, I find it interesting that some people are stopped dead in their tracks as a result of fear. Fear is the, the opposite element of faith. It, it sits on the other side of the balance beam from faith. Fear is that thing that opposes faith. But yet, Noah was able to capitalize the fear and he allowed it to move him closer to faith. It said he was moved by fear. God sometimes allows fear into our life. Not to arrest us or kill us or crush us, but so that fear will move us into that, that place of faith. By faith, Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear. And when fear began to move him, faith began to work. He, got, he didn't let fear move him away from God. He let, he let fear move him closer to God, closer to what God was going to do. Closer. I'll tell you what fear did. Fear put a hammer in Noah's hand. Fear put a, a saw in Noah's hand and he went out and found that tree and he began to cut that tree down. Why? He said, I, I, I'm scared to death that that word's going to come true. Sometimes the, the fear that the, the enemy would love to destroy you with is the one thing that will move you into that element of faith. Fear doesn't always go against what God's plan is. Sometimes fear just moves us a little closer to that place where we begin to reach out by faith, where we begin to pray like we've never prayed before. The doctor's report fills us with fear. But let it move you into the place of faith. The bank account balance is greater than the bills that are due. Sorry, less than. <laughs> a little bit of fear there, but let it move you into a place of faith. Fear will immobilize you if you can, but if you allow it to, you can be moved by fear and then by faith accomplish the task that God has for you. The thought of trouble steals sleep and leaves you weary in body and mind and soul. But it seemed like Noah just grabbed fear by its horns and saddled up fear and allowed it to push him right into that place of faith in God. Noah moved with fear, prepared the ark. The ark was that place of salvation. The ark was that, <clears throat> that promise that brought him into covenant with God. The ark was that was that. <clears throat> tremendous amount of work that saved Noah, his family, and future generations. Don't let fear destroy you. Let it move you into the place of faith. The psalmist said it like this, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man can do unto me. You know what we need to have a healthy dose of? The fear of God. That's the problem is we get our Fear focused on human elements and man. But what Noah, that fear that Noah focused on was the fear of God. That his word was going to come true. That whatever God said was going to come to pass. The rain was going to fall. The storm was going to come. 
his boat would float on faith and fear. And ours can too. Faith swings the door open for this journey to start. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed and he went out not knowing whither he went. There's a call coming to this end time generation. We're required to go into some places that we've never been before. But it's only so we can see what we've never seen before. Can I say that again? Because sometimes on Wednesday we just get a little sleepy. And that's okay. I said, there's a call coming to this end time generation. We're required to go into some places where we've never been. But it's only so we can see some things we have never seen before. Pastor Matt preached about it to this generation on Saturday morning. We need to know the God of Elijah. Church, we do. We need to know that God. We need to know this, this, this building can't just be our refuge. Our refuge is going to be in the name of the God that provided for us up until now. That the promise of and the, the, the prophetic utterances and the power of Elijah still rests on the Elisha generation. It's ours to receive and experience. God has an inheritance waiting for those who want to walk this faith journey. Now, staying here may offer some level of stability, but the Ur of the Chaldees, if Abraham had stayed, would never have supplied us with the stories that we have. God would have used somebody, somewhere, sometime. But the stories we have of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob never would have been lived if Abraham had stayed in the Ur of the Chaldees. And God is calling us in this generation, 2022, that's you, that's me, to go out into places we've never been before. So we've got to be willing to take that first step. We've got to believe that God is able. We've got to believe that God's still calling. We've got to believe that God's still working. God has that inheritance for those of us that want to walk this faith journey. No stability doesn't matter. The storehouse of promise is waiting if we will walk out by faith. Ask and it shall be given. Seek, and it you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Step number two, can you ask God for it? Can you ask God for it? I remember reading a book a few decades ago. It was called The Aladdin Factor. Anyone ever read that book? So I could tell you whatever I want. <laughs> It was a secular book, but <clears throat> the content was remarkable. The subtitle stated this, how to ask for what you want and get it. The author was Jack Canfield. You may recognize his name and Mark Victor Hansen. They both tell story after story of people who received exactly what they wanted simply by asking for it. There's power in asking. I remember that my father worked for the YMCA in St. John. He was aware of the limited budget, the high cost of materials, and it was one year that they were strongly considering shutting down Camp Glenburn. It was a camp that the YMCA owned. It was just out past in the Hampton near Kingston Peninsula area, and the financial outlay required was greater than the income, and <clears throat> my dad was asked and tasked with bringing the budget into the black, so 
With that responsibility, he knew that they didn't have what they needed. They only could get what was required by asking. Dad uh, outlined a few needs, and he knew of one contact. The man's name was Jim Jordan. I called Dad this afternoon to remind me of the story, and he gave me the, the names and some more of the details that, I, <clears throat> that were a little blank to me. And Jim Jordan worked for a man that maybe some of us know. His name was Mr. Jim Irving. And <clears throat> the needs that Dad had forwarded to Jim Jordan were forwarded on to Mr. Jim Irving, and eventually... Through the course of a few conversations, Mr. Irving requested that Dad come and see him. And uh, when the CFO, former CFO, now CEO of the Y, heard that Dad had uh, an audience with Mr. Irving, he said, well, Victor, I'm going to come along with, with you on that conversation. you got to know my dad. He's... Uh, he, Everybody's on equal turf with dad. If it was the Queen of England or somebody that just asked him for $5 on the street, y'all have the same platform to stand on. Y'all have the same ability to conversation. And dad's just kind of a homie. I don't know. I, I, I'm probably really biased, right? <laughs> but he's just a great guy. A lot of people that met my father said he's just a, just a great guy and kind kind-hearted, genuinely concerned for the needs and the welfare of others. And, and Dad didn't have any ulterior motive in this ask. He only had one desire, is that the camp come back into budget. And So in that meeting, in that conversation, Mr. Irving asked him directly what would be uh, best benefit and what was required. And sure enough, following the conversation, the materials began to come in and into that little rundown campground, there was uh, loads of lumber that were delivered and loads of gravel and tree remove, removal that occurred with heavy equipment simply because Dad asked. The request led to further involvement, and I'll jump to the end of the story. Later, they contributed $3 million to the YMCA's new building. Now, Dad said you can't directly assign that giving to his request years, maybe even a decade earlier, but, but perhaps somewhere that connection, he, he found that his request for materials lended to uh, conversations and commitments on behalf of the Irving that have continued to this day without a doubt, simply because you're willing to ask. God expects us to ask. Now unto him that's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask. So the first step is just believing that God can. The next step is just asking. The willingness to ask God. James 4.2 says, you have not because you ask not. John 16.24, hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask and ye shall receive that your joy may be filled. John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. I, I'm wondering sometimes, what do we miss out on because we don't ask? Has anybody got anything you'd just like to ask God for? Maybe just a little light of revelation shot through tonight and say, you know, I got, 
I got some stuff that I need in my life. I got some needs that I'm aware of right now. I wonder if someone would just raise a right hand and say, God, I got some real need tonight. I, I, just, like to, I just like to request. I, I, got, I got some circumstances that I'd like to ask you about. Come on, that your joy may be filled. Maybe, maybe it's just something that, that you think, oh, that's just extravagant. God doesn't care. But he said, you haven't asked anything in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be filled. Why don't we just ask for a moment? Would someone just bring a need to God for a minute? Would someone just say, God, here's, here's a circumstance or here's a need that I've got. Here's something I'm concerned about. Here, here's something that I'd really like to see happen. I, I just wonder for a moment if we would ask something in his name for a moment. Would someone just kind of break the silence barrier for a minute and ask God, Come on, we're stepping into some supernatural territory tonight. We just talked for a few moments about believing that God can. And now we're going to take the next step and say, God, you can. So can you do this? Can you do that? Can you do that in my life? Can you do that in my family? Can you do that in my situation? I, I feel a little help coming from the Holy Ghost right now. And I wonder if someone would just, come on, be daring enough to ask God for something you haven't asked him for yet. Oh, come on, just let it spring up for a minute. <clears throat> Ask. Ask. The next part of that verse said, or think. The realm of thought. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundant above what we ask or think. Our thought processes are largely defined by what we are able to see. The mind is a kind of map. The map and its functional products all kind of work together. Uh, it evolves as a, a map of the body's relation to its external environment. Let me just give you some, some Wikipedia here. I don't know if that's where I got it or not, but they said, fundamentally, our thoughts are, are maps representing and corresponding to things that our brains have either perceived or our senses have felt or something our emotions have experienced. And they form an action plan in your brain. These neurons fire synapses, this electrical energy, this impulse fires across your brain. And, and I know that sometimes we're, we're wanting those, those synapses to fire and they just don't get across. You know what I'm talking about? When sometimes when, when I look at someone and their name escapes me, that's when I'm wishing, where did that neuron go? Bring every thought into captivity. Some of those moments, but, but your, your brain and its function often is it's a result of the external environment. It, it creates pathways. When we hear thunder, when we see lightning, when, when those experiences happen to us early on in life, they begin to form a pattern in our minds so we have an understanding about what's going on when we see these things happen. They're, they're a map that gets created. There's just kind of a network of communication that is, it's comfortable with. And our thoughts are largely generated by what we see and what we've experienced. And, and so even though the... The Paul, that Paul writing to Ephesus, he said, he said, what you can ask or think. And sometimes we think that's the ceiling for what we're able to ask God for. Because how do you ask God for more than what you think? 
if, if our thoughts are, 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 are there to kind of help us reach for the unreachable and, and our mind, if that becomes the limitation, I, I was always charged a little bit in, in school with daydreaming. Daydreaming was a huge problem. I, I'm pretty sure that my sister and I both had problems with that. I, I can't remember which one of us because we both got uh, report cards from the same teachers at the same time going through elementary school. But I do, I do remember that one of us got charged with likes to daydream a lot. Daydream may not be <clears throat> helpful to Mrs. Holman's grade three class. But daydreaming is helpful a whole lot when it comes to the supernatural realm. Because being able to dream up what God may be able to do in, according to the word is, is, is the limitation sometimes for how far we go in the supernatural realm. That we've got to be able to take this as far as our mind can allow us to perceive. That when we begin to walk in the supernatural, when we begin to pray, then we begin to pray as far as our minds can think and and sometimes that asking realm that's that's what we're willing to do in the microphone that asking realm is what we like to ask for from God when we, we begin to pray and somebody can hear us in prayer meeting on Friday night or beginning to ask God for what we want him to do it's comfortable when we're holding hands as a family and, and we're doing a devotional or we're we're kind of getting ready to separate our ways for a little bit of time and and we begin to pray together and and sometimes that's where we allow that asking to end but but the thinking part about prayer is when our, our voice falls silent and we begin to allow our mind to believe God for some things that we haven't articulated yet because it's a little bit sensitive. We don't want someone to think that we're too crazy. How many remember just a few years ago when Brother Alan Shaw was with us, he said, God gave me a prophetic word. And he said, I've held it in because I couldn't release it yet. It was too lofty. It was just a little too high. It was a little too much for some people to be able to stand. I like prayers like that. I like it when prayer goes off into the realm of the unthinkable or where it challenges us a little bit on the natural realm where we begin to think about what God is able to do, trusting that he can. We can't even really say it yet, but, but sometimes we got to be able to think it. Sometimes we better start thinking some great prayers. Sometimes we better start thinking about, I wonder what it would be like if. God, if you just opened that door. God, if you just saved that soul. God, if you just did that miracle. God, if, if, if. And we begin to project into the possibility about what would happen if God did. I like that kind of praying. I like it when, we, when it goes beyond the natural into that supernatural realm. We've got to be able to think some great prayers, but... But from what I understand, our thoughts are still restricted. Our thoughts are, are still calculated by what our experiences have allowed us to see. It was Thomas that articulated what so many of us calculate that God is able to do. He said, except I see the hands, the prints of the nails, put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his, into his side, I will not believe. He was limited and restricted by what he was able to see. And he, he said it like this, I won't believe unless I see. And seeing and believing are so tied in together, our thoughts, being able to think sometimes is, is tied into that realm of the natural. So we've got this belief in God. And then we've got this first 
step of believing that God is able and, and we're willing to ask him for it. Then we've got this next step about, about thinking it because sometimes it's too great for us to articulate. So we've got these steps that we're going on into the supernatural realm and it's this depth that we're going into in prayer. But it's all tied to our ability to believe. But then there's this next dimension of faith, this fourth dimension, this fourth step that God calls us into where it has nothing to do with us. It's that place beyond our ability to believe that God just allows us to walk into. In Ephesians chapter 3 and 20, it says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above. It's that above realm, that fourth place where we start to step into the supernatural realm of prayer. That's the, that's the power of fasting because it looses the hold of the natural realm and moves us into the supernatural realm. That place above all that we ask or even think is where supernatural occurrences happen, where angels fight, where principalities and power, I feel the Holy Ghost right now, where principalities and powers get torn down, where things start to shake up in the supernatural realm, is in that place above all that we ask or think. That is the God that we're serving today. He lives in that realm, not just barely there. He lives in that realm with great abundance and ability. That's where we step, we step into the realm where God is most comfortable with us being. God is most comfortable when his people begin to walk in that supernatural realm that he originally created us for. That's why he met with Adam in the cool of the garden at night. Why? Because he was comfortable with us being in that surrounding and in that environment. It's in that environment that God's inviting us to. And, and we kind of get there by taking those first few steps in faith. But then we step into the supernatural realm. It's beyond our ability to ask. It's beyond what we're able to articulate. It's beyond what we're able to think and we step out into that realm above all that we're able to ask or think can we believe God for that impossible realm how do we access that realm above our thoughts above our asking how how do we get there we know that it's there because Isaiah said God's thoughts are not our thoughts and neither are his ways our ways for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. That realm is only available in the supernatural realm. This is what we access when we go past asking and this is what we access when we go past thinking. This is where we get to when we pray the prayers in the Holy Ghost. Romans said, likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. It's the realm that we pray in that's beyond ourselves. It's that realm where the spiritual warfare occurs. It's that realm where Holy Ghost impartation happens. It's that realm where the prophetic utterances happen. 
It's that realm where we begin to pray without ceasing. It's in that realm, that, that realm when the Spirit makes intercession for us. That, that's beyond what we're able to think. And we just become the vessel that God uses. And God, we know it's there. We know that realm is there. That realm of decrees and declarations. And Paul sp spoke about being caught up into the third heaven. But the God that we serve says that, <clears throat> and Paul said, he, he said, the God that's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, he works in that realm. The God, the God of abundance. We can come back to the music tonight. He's the God of abundance. Not just enough. Abundance. Abounding. You find it in scripture. You find it joy, unspeakable, and full of glory. Borrow empty vessels, not a few. Dig ditches in the valley. God's going to fill them. The impossible, the supernatural realm. Abundantly, above all that we ask or even think. If... If Jesus provided the best for last for that bride, the marriage in Cana of Galilee, think of what he wants to do for his end time bride. It was the master of the feast, the master of ceremonies that came to the groom and said, you saved the best for last. Most men, they'll, they'll bring the best out first and when men have well drunk then, to bring out the worst but but you saved the best for last and, and I've got to believe that in in the word if that's what he did he could have just made it the same he he could have just made it mediocre it didn't matter but he made it exceptional for the bride that the best for last was for the bride and I've got to believe that in these end days if we are and we are his bride that he has saved the best for last the best for last means that we don't have to be satisfied with living spiritual lives down here that there is this level that we can step into in God <laughs> the best for last Paul was on mission he was writing to the Ephesians church at Ephesus if you backed up from our text to verse 14 he said for this cause he was fighting for a cause he said I bow my knees unto the father of heaven father of our Lord Jesus Christ of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named what is he fighting for what for this cause what cause the cause that he would grant you according to his riches the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man someone say inner that Christ may dwell in your heart someone say in your hearts that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passes not, passeth knowledge that ye might be filled someone say be filled with all the fullness of God Paul had this motive for 
the church in Ephesus not just to live this surface life, but that they would be filled with the Spirit of God, the inner man, in your hearts. Be filled. He had this desire for them. He said, for this cause, I'm fighting for this cause, that you won't live life just with a, a superficial experience in God, that you won't live this life just... You know, I, I'm, I'm not taking anything away from our Father which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. But, but prayer's got to go deeper than that. And prayer can go deeper than that. Prayer can, can go a lot deeper than now I lay me down to sleep. Prayer, prayer can go deeper than uh, good Lord, good meat, good food. Let's eat. Prayer can go deeper than that. Prayer can go deeper than just asking. Prayer can go deeper than just thinking. Prayer can go abundantly above all of that into the supernatural realm where we begin to pray and walls begin to fall in our city. And we can't explain why people begin to come, but it's because of the power of prayer. That our altars are filled because of the power of prayer. That infilling was what persuaded Paul to teach and to preach to the church at Ephesus and call them to that next level. That infilling was something he felt they couldn't live without. His prayer was that they would be strengthened with might in the inner man, that Christ would dwell in their hearts by faith, that they would be filled with all the fullness of God that they would believe and ask and think and exceed what our minds could imagine simply because they entered into that dimension in prayer. Someone just exercise that prayer for a moment right now. Holy Ghost, we need your help tonight. Spirit of God, let that challenge rest in our hearts and in our spirits. That we would know, God, that we would know. That we would know, God, that we would know. God, that we would know you. God, not just, God, not just in word, but in deed, God, that we would know.
you'd stand together with me for a moment. That we would know that length and width and depth and height in God. That we would know this God in more than three dimensions, but that we would know him in this dimension that we can't even articulate or understand. You say, Pastor Jack, you're talking so odd tonight because we can't we can't articulate it it's only something that can be experienced and and we walk into it by faith and we open those doors and and in prayer we begin to we begin to speak in the supernatural and god begins to impart and it's this cycle this flow that happens in the supernatural realm and it's important that we exercise every element that paul speaks to us about we need to ask and you know, we need to praise and we need to enter his gates with thanksgiving and we need all of that experience, but there's this dimension in prayer that happens. Not in, we don't get there in, in two minutes and we, we don't get there in five minutes. It's it's a place that we get to and we spend some time and we, we're separating and we, we hear his voice and we connect. And God's calling us to that place because there's some realms that God wants us to win in that place I'm not trying to make it all spiritual mumbo jumbo I'm just we're talking about this level that we get to in prayer length and width and depth height God would you pray together with me Jesus I'm so thankful for people that <clears throat> sacrifice in so many levels time energy, effort, finance. And God, you're calling us to this new place in prayer. I, I thank you for that invitation, God. We, we're RSVP in tonight on behalf of a church that's committed. God, we're coming into that place that we've never been before. We're responding to that call. God, that cry to know you. God, to know you in a way maybe we never have before. To know you, Jesus, in that realm where you do work that we can't explain. And God, we can't even always pinpoint where it is that you're working. But God, I pray that you would invite us into that level. God, invite us to know you. I thank you for your presence that's moving in this place. I, I ask that you would anoint every hearer God anoint every ear to hear what the spirit is saying to our church and God let the commitment come and let the challenge be issued answered and responded to by each of us tonight we pray God let us walk in that supernatural realm God, we're not just human beings having a supernatural experience we are supernatural beings just having a human experience we're only here temporarily god you've got a purpose for us you've got a plan for us here but god eternity is our home heaven is our goal tonight help us get there and bring as many as we can with us we pray in jesus name we ask the church said amen amen i do feel that call Anybody feel that call to go a little deeper? Let me tell you when we respond to that call. We respond to that call when we set the alarm tonight. 
And we said it for 15 minutes earlier than we normally do because we want to talk to God about our day tomorrow. It's when we set the reminder to say, God, God needs some time from me tomorrow night because I want to know him. I want to know him. I believe God's going to do great things if you do. Say amen. We love you all very much. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. God bless you.